welcome to the Last of the Moon podcast. I'm Bryce McCracken. I'm Wyatt Van Dyke. I'm Timothy Chalamet. I'm Brad Redshaw. Just once, I want you to say your real name. (laughs) I'm Mr. Strawberry. Uh, That's a real name in this movie. I know. (laughs) Uh, This movie is Hot Summer Nights, a film recommended to us by Wyatt. Um, I want to give a little bit of backstory before we get into this movie on how we ended up deciding on this film. So I realized pretty last minute that I was going to be out of town for this weekend. I'm going to Toronto. And I was like, oh, shoot, we got to report a, record a podcast. Should we do a poll? And that would give us like less than 24 hours to get votes for a poll. Or should we just pick? And Wyatt immediately sent Hot Summer Nights, a film that I had not even heard of. And Brett, you said, what, what did you say? Well, we had already talked about doing a movie night with our partners. It was Colleen's idea. And they had like communicated that with Juliet. So I said, let's not just like rip this from them. Let's see what they want to watch go from there so i I sent in the group chat with the five of us hey juliet colleen we're doing this movie want to decide what to watch and juliet immediately responded hot summer nights we on that wavelength the wavelength is why it is just telling juliet what to say whoa 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 (laughs) whoa whoa. you make me look like a bad guy i just said hey say hot summer nights in the group chat it's for a bit. I'll tell you about the bit later. Uh, a couple points here. One, Wyatt is a controlling boyfriend, question mark. Two, Juliet just let this happen, which I'm frankly ashamed. She loves me. What can I say? She trusts my judgment. The, the true highlight of this story, though, is instantly after Juliet said Hot Summer Nights in our group chat of the five of us, Wyatt sent a message to the two of us. And what, what did you say, Wyatt? I believe it was something along the lines of, Eat shit and die, bitches. It, it was that verbatim. Uh, good job. I'm proud of you for remembering that. Um, <laughs> all that to say, we ended up watching Hot Summer Nights. This is a film that came out in 2017. Stars Timothy Chalamet and Micah Monroe. It was a directorial debut for Elijah Bynum. This is, I believe at this point, the only film that he has made. Although he does have his sophomore release coming out later this year. Uh, are you familiar with this movie? No, what is it? Face. Uh, completely different wavelength, although I'm pretty excited for it. It is a bodybuilding movie starring... Oh, I know about this. I didn't know he was going to direct it. Yes. Yeah, I'm really excited about him. Uh, starring, what's that dude's name? Jonathan Majors. I, I'm horrible with names. Yes, Jonathan Majors. We did a, basically a whole podcast talking about him. Magazine Dreams, right? Is yes, Magazine it? Dreams. It's supposed to come out in December, although with the recent... Jonathan Major controversy. I don't know if that will actually happen. I think that debuted at Sundance over the last summer. And yeah, it it's slated to come out in December. Yeah, it's supposed um, to be pretty good. I'm really excited yeah. about it. You tell me he's going to look bigger than he did in Creed 3? Yes. And more, uh, more shredded, too. That's crazy. <laughs> bigger and more shredded. Brett. What? Bigger and more shredded. <laughs> it's you. Bigger and more shredded. <laughs> <laughs> is that the, I I don't I'm confused. <laughs> I don't know. Did I say something stupid? I don't know what's going on right now. No, I'm just making a comment on your fitness gains. <laughs> oh, thank <laughs> you so much. Oh, you noticed. <laughs> this is going to be the first shirtless podcast. Let's we go. <laughs> we can do that for uh for 100th episode. We don't have shirtless. To. We don't have to do that. I don't think that 
that will incentivize watchers or listeners. Why you, you suggested this movie. You want to take 30 seconds and explain what it's all about? So Hot Summer Nights is all about uh, Timothy Chalamet's character who gets sent to uh, his aunt's house for the summer. It is in coastal Massachusetts, uh, and he is kind of in this in-between. It's very much giving Outer Banks in that there's like two different groups of people. There's the townies who are there all year long, and then the, what are they called? Summer birds was yeah, the, yeah. the title for the, the rich summer folk. Uh, so it's a concept that has existed in, in media for a minute. And Timothy's character does not exist in either of these realms. So he's got to find himself. And how he does that is selling hella weed. I'm shocked to know that of people migrating places based on the seasons, that people go to Boston for the summer. This is news to me. Well, that's like it's coastal. It's yeah. Massachusetts is a big state. Uh, Well, not a big state, but like there's more to it than Boston. I'm aware of all of these facts (laughs) that are being presented to me. It's just not something that I've heard of particularly. I know snowbirds. I know snowbirds go down to Florida for summer birds. Well, snowbirds go to Florida Florida for the winter. Yes. Yes. Look who looks silly now. It's It's Bryce. I'm a silly boy. Um, but yeah, I I didn't know that the opposite existed. So. You had summer birds you were aware of. I knew of snow, snowbirds. We complete each other. And I come from a town of just summer birds. So this is my lived experience uh, in movie form, except it's way less exciting. There's also a whole romance element in here that you forgot to mention. Yeah, I should mention that uh, in this movie, Timothy's character uh, is buddied up with this dude named Hunter Strawberry. <laughs> Maybe my least favorite name I've ever heard in a movie. <laughs> he's like the the bad guy of the of the movie. He's he's a real bad boy. Uh, everybody in town has stories about them. They're afraid of him. They don't know if it's true or not. He's just this like mythical figure of a dude, and he's got a younger sister who is essentially got the same vibe going on. She's like the the apple of everyone's eye, but she is not in contact with her brother after the death of their mother they go separate paths and her whole goal is to is to get out of the uh the situation she's in and timmy kind of falls for her. at the same time he's working with her brother creates this interesting dynamic that unfolds as the movie goes on he's a defensive brother he doesn't want timmy to be dating his sister but what are they gonna do because they're in love and they also got to keep the business going <laughs> Jesse, we got to cook. We got to cook, man. There were so many scenes in this Jesse. movie that I was like, is this Breaking Bad? Is this Breaking Bad? bad? Yes. <laughs> Just with a little bit more teen angst. Yeah. There's even a diner scene in particular in this movie where they're meeting like the kingpin. What's his name? Rex? Dex. Dex. Uh, <laughs> he's, a, he's a dinosaur. <laughs> it's, it's Timmy and Mr. Strawberry and then Dex and I guess Dex's boy, but his boy looks exactly like the old guy from Breaking Bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, additionally, in this scene, that old guy that looks like the guy from Breaking Bad does not say a single word in this six-minute scene. I forgot about <laughs> He just that. sits there for six whole minutes and doesn't say anything. I'm like, it, they this... definitely didn't want to pay an actor, so they just got an extra to sit in the back of this scene. <laughs> this and I is... don't think that he has a role. No, it's, the that's the, the only scene he's in. It did not occur to me until you <laughs> mentioned it. I have this phenomena I experience a lot where I feel like I'm always watching, like if I watch a movie more than once, I'm watching a different cut of the same movie because <laughs> I'll watch it a second time and I'm like, I just genuinely don't remember this scene at all. And I clearly remember that guy because I, I saw this 
right around the time it came out, uh, if not a little bit later. I think it was like the beginning of the pandemic, so it's actually been a few years. But uh, I remember that man having speaking roles. He was like, like a person and <laughs> In your had memory? things to, completely. I there's we'll, when we get into spoilers, I'll talk about it more. But there's like scenes I can recall vividly that did not happen in the movie, which is weird because it means that just over the like last two, three years, I've concocted full false storylines in this movie that don't exist. Does that mean that? I guess my question is, did you enjoy the movie the first time you watched it? Like, what was your perception? You were the only one of us that had seen it before. Did your perception change? Like, did you really like it the first time? This is a really unique yeah. movie. Oh, it's goofy as hell. And for that, I love it. It tries to be like a like a 90s like period piece type deal. Um, and it's in paying more attention into like the intricacies of movies. There's definitely some things that I don't remember, like the editing being as absolutely wonk shit as it is. But it was still a movie I liked the first time around. I have to find my original when I had a Snapchat story and I reviewed movies. Oh, fascinating. Uh, it was called A24 Whore. How are we just now hearing about yeah, this? Yeah, this is crazy. Did you guys not know this? No. No, I had a Snapchat story during quarantine because I'd watch like a movie or two a day. And I had like a like an organized like list. Uh, and I'd rank everything out of 10. I'll find rocks. my uh, Hot Summer Nights list while you guys while you're looking talk about that. anything else. You mentioned this movie's release. It's worth noting this movie absolutely tanked. It had a budget of $355,000, which is already not a lot. And to this day has only grossed $246,000, which is for, I mean, Timothy Chalamet is a huge name. It's a 24 at this point, they were a big enough name that they could get people in the seats. And Micah Monroe was coming off the backs of, it follows and a couple other successful horror films. So like she was a big name at this point too. And I, I guess it's largely because I guess in my opinion, this movie is not that great. There's a lot to like about it and I'll get into that, but I think this movie's probably hard for some people to recommend to other people because I don't, I don't know many people that would see this and be like, that's a great movie that you have to see. At least from my perspective, the recommendation would just be like, goofy this is goofy and i had a really good time watching it i found my review back i gave it a 6.5 out of 10 okay any any notable notable commentary or just a um the first line of me i I break it up into like a pros and cons section pros this is a good movie it's a movie for mindless entertainment which i feel like is fitting i i think that's i very few of us while watching this had minds (laughs) um and so it it uh, it catered to us all the same, and there's a fair amount of giggling and I was gonna say and something else, but nothing. giggling and gaff. Oh, I was Whoa! gonna say that. Nice. Uh, and gaffin. So I think it serves the purpose of just like a goofy watch a a movie that's gonna be not boring, but also not like earth shattering with it was a group certainly of friends. Not boring. Yeah. Yeah. This movie is one of the more disparate in terms of the ratio of like this is a bad film, but at no point was I bored or not really enjoying myself. It's definitely not like incompetent on the level of like a the room. Like it's it's not so bad that it's funny type of deal. It's more just like there are a lot of things that this movie does not do right, but the experience and the vibe is really enjoyable. Um so I had a really good time. Brett, you haven't mentioned yet. Like did you enjoy it? You yeah, feel I feel pretty much the same. Yeah. Like Obviously, not an excellent movie, but 
it was fun to watch with my friends. Uh, I'm a proponent of talking through movies uh, at parts where it's appropriate to talk, especially if like no one person is incredibly invested in what's happening on screen. And so this is one of those times that we got to do that a lot and have fun. Uh, if you haven't caught on to some of the points that have been made around the table, we were not sober watching this movie and that added to the fun of it. Also though, new rule for myself, do not watch movies that we're going to talk about on the podcast inebriated because I, <laughs> I, I remember almost none of this movie. What the hell? Not like, not like I blacked out or anything, but like I'm having such a difficult time recalling like individual scenes. You guys are like telling me things. I'm like, oh yeah, that is a thing that happened in, you were just in the movie. Over there holding that pillow, having a good time. Yeah, I did fall asleep at one point for about 30 seconds. He, he hit us with a... <laughs> I did. I snored myself awake. He looked so middle. frightened. Uh. I went... <laughs> Uh, which is not to say this movie is boring, but no, it truly isn't. You're just Actually, tired. Brett's just a sleepy guy. Yeah. One of my favorite parts about the movie that I thought was done better than anything else was the pacing. I thought the pacing was like really good to never slow down too much and keep it interesting. And you know, it's got a, a respectable runtime of like one thirty-seven or something like that. It's not so much that like. This movie it's... was two and a half hours long. You must have been asleep for longer than <laughs> you remember. I, you're going to give me a heart attack. Don't do this. It's an hour and 47 minutes long. Okay, I got one digit off. It's an hour 47. So, I don't know. I felt like it used that time really well. Yeah. A couple things that are worth noting before we get into spoilers. The performances, I feel, and the tone that this movie sets are exceptional, uh, especially the performances from Micah Monroe and Timmy they strike a good balance of feeling like complex characters, but also getting some good intentional laughs. And I don't know if that's, that can be said for a lot of the other beats and characters in this story. There are a lot of times where I was laughing, where I was not sure I was supposed to be, but the two of them specifically, their chemistry on scene or on, on uh, screen on screen. That's that word I was really invested in. So if you're a fan of Timothy Chalamet and if you've seen Micah Monroe in other movies, this is not a horror movie, which is mostly what she's done in the past. So it's a, a unique step for her, and I thought that she was very good. Um, and the tone, Wyatt loves his uh, A24 Coming unique of age, lighting. Unique lighting uh, bullshit. Yeah, it's got all that, and it does that just fine. Um, most of the shots are very pretty to look at and really feel like you're back in 1991 or whenever this takes place. I just love neon lights more than anything on this planet. I think there there's like my old Instagram before I got locked out of it. A good third of the photos were just devoted to neon lights. I could be part moth. Like I just <laughs> am fully coming to terms with the fact that I just enjoy lighting and it makes me happy. Like even these ring lights are just really pleasant to look at. That explains why I catch Wyatt. <laughs> attached to light bulbs every morning when I wake up. I gotta slap them off of them. Wyatt is no better than Willem Dafoe in the lighthouse. <laughs> I just... Just sitting there staring at it. I just love light. What can I say? Uh, who knows the amount of sexual tension Wyatt has between Betwixt. himself and the ring light sitting next to me. Um, sexual tension is a, a great segue to get into the rest of this movie. If you are interested to hear what that's about, <laughs> feel free. Uh, watch this movie. 
It is on HBO Max. I think it used to be on Prime. I think it, was. it was. That's what I watched on Prime, Prime, but it's now on HBO Max for free with the cost of an HBO Max subscription. Go ahead and check that out to join us for the rest of the conversation if you don't want to be spoiled. Otherwise, let's get right into it. Hey, can we do our next episode on Bama Rush Week, the documentary that just got dropped on HBO Max? Oh, I didn't know it was out now. I'm it's, really excited. Apparently, to watch that. the movie is 40% about alopecia awareness because that's what the director like has and she wow. just she just keeps inserting herself in it apparently like none of it is about bama rush week well that's disappointing <laughs> <laughs> that's insane i have not heard of this you need to watch it okay we move on yeah uh is there a particular place that you guys would like to start um right. i have some ideas but if you guys feel compelled right where you let us off and we talk about the fact that in every scene in this movie if there are two characters having a conversation Regardless of their relationship, may it be father daughter, may it be two straight men, may it, may it be, be a drop on the side of the road <laughs> and a teen boy he is pulling over. <laughs> there is sexual tension in every single scene of this entire movie. It is so ridiculous, and from the moment it's pointed out, you cannot shake it. Yes, it is everywhere. <laughs> Top Gun esque, the the OG, where it's just like completely devoid of of sexuality or like gender it's just everybody just wants to get in each other's guts all the time <laughs> this movie that's is such a vulgar way to say that horrific <laughs> it's just, it's like like it's a watching it it is a sweaty experience it's very very sweaty but Hot not overt. <laughs> nobody's actually talking about yes. wanting to have sex with yeah. each other they're just so intense even the like romantic elements of this scene or of this movie like there are certainly sexual elements to it, but like no characters have sex in my memory, right? Uh, the car in the rain. Mm, mm. Yes, that was but implied. It's not explicit at all. Yeah. Yeah. The first scene that opened my eyes to this weird sexual tension was the first time we meet Hunter Strawberry, who is the, the bad boy character that Wyatt mentioned. And you've got this voiceover going on, which I have a lot to say about, but you have this voiceover describing how cool this guy is and how much everyone has thoughts and most of them are admiring towards this guy and it's all shot in slow-mo as he's getting out of his muscle car looking really hot and there's a shot right after this where timothy chalamet's character what is his name daniel yeah where daniel danny Danny. because why right why it's cool because it's cool (laughs) uh where danny sees him and just has this look in his eyes where I'm like, I, I I literally wrote in my notes while I was watching this, if this movie does not, I, I had no idea what this movie was about. I was like, if this movie is not a romance between Danny and Hunter, there's something wrong with this scene because it was so on the nose with like, these characters are attracted to each other. Yes. And then nothing ever came of that. It's funny that you pals. say that. I didn't write it down in my notes. I felt the exact same way. Yeah. I thought I thought that they were going to want to fuck each other at some point in the movie. What I was not prepared for was the sexual tension between every single character in this movie, like Wyatt mentioned. There's a particularly uncomfortable scene where, uh, what's her name, Maya Mitchell, yeah. girl from Teen Beach movie. She's in this movie. She She gets home right at the last minute after sneaking out as her cop father is coming to check on her. And the dad is, like, looking at her in this extremely uncomfortable way. And he's, like, saying everything like Matthew McConaughey in a car commercial. It's, like, very husky and slow. And it, like, legitimately... You been here all night. 
It legitimately feels like he's trying to seduce her. And I don't know. I don't know if that was the director's intentions, but it certainly comes off that way. I hope not. <laughs> and it just made me uncomfortable more than the, anything. Who played the, the cop dad? Uh, he's a sort of a veteran actor, uh, Thomas Jane. <laughs> Thomas Thank J you for your service, veteran actor. <laughs> Thomas Jane spent this entire movie. Holy shit, Brett. What? what? That's Todd Parker from Boogie Nights. No way. That's crazy. Uh, this man spent the entire movie, like Bryce said, trying really hard to be Matthew McConaughey. And there's like multiple scenes. There's that weird scene where he pulls over Hunter Strawberry to give him like the life talk. And it's just the shot of him talking, but you can't see him. So it's just like his torso his and junk. Crotch, yeah. In the, <laughs> in the window, window the and he's just like, boy, you're going to turn out bad if you keep going down that path. And it's like, this is just very odd. This is very overt. And I was expecting, I was like, this is going to be Matthew McConaughey. Certainly. <laughs> and it wasn't. It's like the role was written for him. And then they were just like, ah, yes, we have $8. <laughs> and all of it, all $8 went to Timmy. Timmy, who also plays the same character in every movie, and he does not escape this time. He's just a little quirked up guy who's... Got a got a mysterious aura about him for the nine hundredth movie, and he it loves works. A sad, sexy white boy. And it works again. Yep, he's killing it. Gets me every single time. I mean, I, he's not very sexy in this movie. He, I mean, I disagree. Disagree. <laughs> the shot of him in the very beginning in his tidy whiteies curled up in his room was not <laughs> with, attractive. With the headband on, <laughs> he's meditating. Uh, that was that was one he's of a man in touch many with homages to other movies. I don't know if you picked up on that. That's mm. the same headband that the uh, Dirk Dig. No, oh. well, Karate Kid, but more specifically, Dirk Diggler wears at the beginning oh. of Boogie Nights. There are a couple other like overt homages that I noticed, but like this whole movie has the tone of a. It, it feels like if. Scorsese or Paul Thomas Anderson were to make a movie that was like their style of movie, but then also turned it into like a teenage romance coming of age movie, which in theory I love. I mean, those are my two favorite directors. A lot of my favorite films kind of fit in this vein of like character kind of gets converted to quote the dark side, gets wrapped up into some nefarious activities and their whole life kind of turns into turmoil. I love when movies sort of balance two lofty things in a character's motivations like in this instance timmy is an aspiring drug dealer on this side but then he's in love with this girl on this side and in theory this story is weaving these two things together and they kind of come to a point at the end unfortunately i didn't feel like this movie was very effective at doing it brett you like the pacing and i suppose it was good in that the story kept moving but there were multiple points where I almost forgot about the other plot element to the story because it would just take so long to jump back and forth. Like the movie would get too caught up in one or the other for 35 minutes and you would kind of just forget what movie you were in. And then it felt like the movie kind of forgot what movie it was in because it couldn't really like fully commit to either element. So that, that was a, a point of frustration for me. No, I totally agree with that. And I, I would consider that more of a plot problem or a writing problem than a pacing problem. Um, but I think that the movie suffers. What? He just <laughs> licked the, he just. Oh, you latte. did? Yeah. There was oh, a, a little dribble of latte on the table and I just <laughs> didn't want it to go to waste. Quick shout out Annie Fitzpatrick for making these lattes. Thank I know you, she's Annie listening. Fitzpatrick. 
let's not say dribble on the podcast. I'm gonna I'm gonna you already said that <laughs> this dude hates basketball. He hates basketball. You you're already talking about getting in someone's guts, and I can't I, say dribble. I recant that. I've never said that in my life. I've never said this on the podcast. Anyway, I can't wait to edit in you saying that again here. <laughs> Regardless, well, God, I don't even remember what I was saying. You're talking about plot pacing. Yeah. yeah, there were a lot of comps to the movie. I sorry, what do no, you mean comps? Uh, as in Compares. comparable oh. films. Yes. He didn't have enough time to say comparable. <laughs> <films>. <laughs> <laughs> Where I actually i I thought about Boogie Nights at certain points. I thought about um, Goodfellas, like you mm-hmm. said, Scorsese at, at certain points. One movie that I thought about a lot was Adventureland. In this like teen drama, you know, what are we gonna do for the summer? What what goes down and there's like a, you know, a love interest. What, is it going to work out or not? Etc. The problem that I find myself with is that <laughs> I, <laughs> I think about those movies and re- remember that each of them does their own thing better than yes. this. And I feel like hot summer nights has a big identity crisis where it just can't commit to anything tonally throughout the whole movie. Like it wants to be legitimately goofy at some points mm-hmm. and like fun and flurry. And then it has like 30. <laughs> and then it has like the uh the linebacker kid hangs himself in a garage and it's like this they don't line up i i could really do with one or the other i would love one or the other actually but if you could just really fully commit to either i think would would have me hooked a lot more and it, it's hard to verbalize like how to do that effectively because it can be done i mean this movie is a huge homage in a lot of ways to boogie nights we've already said it and boogie nights is a hilarious movie but it has a lot of really dark elements to it like that i mean a a character kills himself in boogie nights too and i guess that's what makes an a tour director brilliant is like they can find that balance and make it work and i mean you can't expect that much this is this guy's first movie so it's like we are asking a lot of someone's first movie and I think there are a lot of things that like, this is a very ambitious movie in a lot of ways. And so I'm certainly excited to, for his next movie. Cause I think he showed a lot of potential here, but yeah, it, it's a really bold swing to try to emulate the goats with your first ever movie in such an obvious and explicit way. Yeah. It, it fell a little bit flat at a lot of points. One of the, the points where I found it fell the most flat was with the narration that, goes throughout the whole movie don't even get me started this was by far my least favorite part of this movie and it it can't even show up in the favorite least favorite scenes category because it's like continuous it's It's like ever six or seven times throughout the movie do one of you want to explain like how the narration works and who it is do you want to you seem strongly yeah let me me take this shit i'm gonna grab the microphone you could rock paper scissors (laughs) it starts with a child uh at the very beginning of the movie narrating what's happening and um at some point i was like oh this is like a young timmy or somebody else important to the movie and it is like it is sewn through the plot of the film where this kid comes back in we never see him but he just talks about what's what's going on what's happening and it's almost a point of like tension through the plot for us to wonder like who is he? How is he going to have uh, an effect on this movie? And it all builds up to him popping in at the very end to it's say like a big reveal as, as the, like the, I would say like the climactic point to end the film. 
and he has nothing to do with any of this. <laughs> like he, he's just a guy. He was just a kid who like heard that the story happened. Yeah. Well, good. I think they're trying to like conjure up that like the 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 local legend type vibe where it's like a story that's passed down from like your older siblings tell you about it and then you pass it on and it's like a like a local myth type deal about about people in the town but it's executed very oddly it kind of reminded me of like the sandlot a little bit uh film i have not seen you've not seen the sandlot glaring hole in my resume let me see that glaring <laughs> hole. <laughs> Shout out glaring you can't hole. You see a glaring hole. A hole is an absence of thing. All right. Well, <laughs> you suck all the life out of this. Thank Continue you. Thank you. Wait, but then if if it's an absence, it can't glare. That's, That's an oxymoron. <laughs> this Why dude just, just called up me? This dude just called you a moron. You're gonna let that slide. I will, because he's right. That that joke went right over his head. <laughs> Uh, but either way, what an oxymoron, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> this narrator move is an interesting choice, and I feel like there's almost it's stop doing that. It's almost more effective if they just did not throw in the scene where he sees what is her name. I'm so bad with names. The something you and I share. Her name is Michaela. Yeah, Michaela Strawberry. Very close to Maika. What do you mean you and I share? Wyatt and I. Brace and I don't know names. Oh, oh! I, because... thought, I thought you meant the name was something that you share. Oh. <laughs> like her name was Weiss or something. <laughs> <laughs> but he like sees her. He's the last person who sees her before she leaves town. And that's not a strong enough connection to be like relevant to the story, I think. I think it would, would be stronger if it was just some like kid telling his friends this version of the story to show how it's like passed down. I totally uh, agree. But it's just kind of shoehorned in there. It makes this 13-year-old feel omniscient. Like He's God. He's telling these stories of these private conversations and these private moments yeah. that are illegal and or illicit, and therefore no one other than the characters involved should or would know about them. But somehow this 13-year-old boy that has no connection to these characters at all knows all of these intricate details. And Wyatt, I totally agree. It would make more sense if that is what they're going for. And I think you're right. I think they are going for that. If he were explaining it to people, mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Also, I feel like they just kind of throw them in there where they're like, hey, we need to establish some character backstory, but we don't have the runtime to do it. Yeah. What if we added a narrator? What if we made him say things that immediately make it clear what type of vibe this person has going on? Yeah. Narration is such a, a risk to a put in your movie. A fickle mistress. <laughs> it truly is a fickle <laughs> mistress. If it's not done creatively or effectively it comes off exactly how it does in this movie which is it's just lazy writing the number one rule that you learn when you're learning how to make movies is show don't tell like that's the whole point of using film as a medium like you can convey so much more than just words like you could in a book so what (laughs) makes a, a good movie good is when they can convey certain things you could not get across just through a book or just through a story. And like this movie is taking or paying homage to so many great movies. And Scorsese is known for using uh, narration in a lot of his movies. It, it has to be like a fourth of his movies. Goodfellas is an example. And what makes that narration specifically so good 
is it's being told by a character who is living this story. And so you're getting his perspective looking back on it. And what makes that so unique is often he is saying his perspective, but then the things that we are seeing don't necessarily align with his perspective. And so it's like, we're learning how this character's feeling about this situation, but maybe that how he is feeling is not actually what's happening. And we learn more about the character through that rather than just like, this is who this character is. Like there are more levels to it. Um, What's another example of like good narration or a different kind? Like, like the the intro to Lord of the Rings, like the mm. the elf goddess, like explains the lore. But that makes sense because she is an omniscient being that is establishing this whole world. The title and she disappears exactly from Star Wars. Exactly, yeah. So it, it's so hard, and it's hard to verbalize what makes it good, and that's why I feel like in general, unless you're very confident that it's going to work well, you should probably just avoid it. And I feel that that way about this movie. All right, why don't you write a movie? I'm not going do to do that. that. I'm not that talented. <laughs> I think we should make a movie. I think that should be our next step. What will it be called? What will it be about? All right. This is the time to, right here. Time to time to brainstorm. I'm on it. I'll get back to you guys on that. Last of the Moon. Subtitle. Where it all went wrong. Sub subtitle. How three friends. <laughs> I love I love a sub subtitle. <laughs> How three friends. Grew together and grew apart. <laughs> Did you have any idea where that was no. going when you started that? I think, I think you were really hoping to be done after the first subtitle, and then both of us just kept looking at you, and you were like, there needs to be more. <laughs> uh, I think that's a great idea, Brett. Do we want to get into a category here? Quick shout out. Yeah, we can do a quick shout out. This is our new category, if you haven't listened to uh, the last episode, in which... We rapid fire some quick shout outs from this movie that will not make much sense if you haven't seen the movie. Uh, who wants to go first? Quick shout out. Getting choked in a men's room by the school it girl. <laughs> uh, quick shout out. The food of assholes. Quick shout AKA out. AKA Raisinets. <laughs> quick shout out. My boy Chester. <laughs> what? what did Chester we can, have to We do can get movie? to Chester. Okay. Chester in the, the Coke deal scene chester's the guy that just sits there and just you get the side shots of him uh, just going yeah i got some stuff to say about chester in my nitpick category go ahead shout out cigarettes <laughs> cigarettes behind the ear making you look cool shout out cigarettes behind the ear making you look cool shout out being named after a fruit <laughs> uh i had that one actually really being, shout out being named strawberry nice Quick shout out, not hiring any DEI staff. There is not a single non-white person in this movie. <laughs> Unfortunate. Shout out shitting into a bag. Wait, does that happen in this movie? Um, he the, threatens, guy, yeah. the guy that gets beaten with a gun. Yes, wow. <laughs> the cop goes, he's shitting into a bag. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunate. Uh, shout out ascots. Quick shout out mm. Boston College. Shout out sharing lollipops. Hot. Shout out hot. going to a drive-in all by yourself. Quick shout out stepping in piss while making out with someone. Shout out being skinny and sexy. Hey. Pat uh, <laughs> <Add> Bryce. <laughs> Here we are. Uh, shout out only one person in the whole movie having a Boston accent, even though it takes place <laughs> in Massachusetts. Um, 
I think that concludes my quick shout-out. I got a couple more. Keep going. Shout-out Epsom salt. <laughs> it can do it all. Oh, wait, yeah. Quick shout-out killing slugs as a romantic plot device. Shout-out drinking beer from the tap like an alcoholic gremlin. <laughs> <laughs> that concludes quick shout-out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's talk about that Coke deal scene because uh, I've got a few <laughs> things to say about that it. That scene is so egregiously ridiculous. There is from the naked woman playing piano to the dude who is selling the drugs, who talks about his ex-wife for like half of it, to, to a second character who doesn't have a line, doesn't have a line in like a six minute sequence. He just kind of sits there. It's yep. very odd. Uh, the movie's only foray into cocaine. Um, and it's quite the time. Red, have you anything to say about this? This is just the third act of Boogie Nights and yes. in, in done work. It's just less entertaining. It's just far less entertaining. Like, it is actually, like, one-for-one one comparisons. There's, like, this to that, this scene to that scene. Guy who catches on to the drugs being fake is uh, Dr. Octopus. <laughs> I forget the actor's name. Alfred Molina. Yes, yeah. he's Alfred Molina. Uh, the guy who doesn't talk is <laughs> is the... <laughs> Say it. <laughs> Ambiguously Asian man throwing firecrackers throwing fire on the crackers. floor. <laughs> Except instead of throwing firecrackers, he just looks into the camera for some reason. I forgot about the firecrackers. And the naked that woman playing piano is, of course, Stacy's mom being played in the background. Nice. It's, it's just identical. Yeah. Um. That that piano bit is another huge homage to Goodfellas, the song that she plays. Uh, she plays two songs. I don't know what the first one was, but the second one that she plays is uh, Layla, which, who's that? I mean, it's it's Eric Clapton's band. I can't remember. Dominic and the Dominoes or something like that. Uh, Layla's a beautiful song, and it's in Goodfellas, like right at the end. So that, that was just another example of, here's an explicit homage to someone doing the same movie better. But yeah, let's get... Let's do some nitpick picks. I've got many for this movie. What if she was playing Great Balls of Fire? <laughs> just throw a Top Gun in there, too. Just do it all. Homage everything. Wow, my nitpicks list is so long. Fire fire off a few. Uh, some of these we already talked about. I, I wrote, who the fuck is this kid? Every single time the, the narrator spoke. Red, it looks like you're you have something similar. Read read the third note down from the top. Movie is casted well. Nope. That I can't, can't count. Read. Who the fuck is this kid? <laughs> Thank you. That's what I had in my own notes. Oh, the so nitpicks. The Can we talk about how long it took you to, to find the third note down from the top? Nitpicks. That's my Bryce bad. Can't it seemed, count. It seemed like I did something wrong. You no, just... no, no. I just can't count. Uh the I don't even remember specifically why, but the scene where we meet Michaela felt incredibly like objectifying and sexist towards this teenage girl. Uh like her only character, at least in terms of how it was being set up by the intro, was like this girl is hot and everyone wants to do her. Fortunately, I felt like Micah Monroe did a good job of like adding some depth to this character because the writing certainly was not doing it for her. But yeah, that, that intro scene where we meet her felt very uncomfortable. I feel like it makes sense what they're going for because it just, it sets her up as like, hot. being a girl being yeah. hot. Like, 
but it's not. There's no nuance to it at all. No. It's just, <laughs> this girl's really hot and everyone wants to bang her. And I'm like, isn't she in high school? This feels weird. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say is, like, I feel like it makes the perfect amount of sense, especially being that, like, that is all that she probably was to the other high school boys. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's weird when it's a high school kid. If you think that's weird, you guys should watch Euphoria. It's <laughs> so much weirder. It it works out though that everyone in Euphoria looks twenty eight. That's fair. Uh, that's because they're all twenty eight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the editing was. I, this isn't even a nitpick. It's really just like a very large criticism for the whole movie. But it, within the nitpicks, I've got some specific cuts that <laughs> that really stood out to me. Specifically, any time a car moved anywhere in this movie. It would just that it would speed up really fast and go, <laughs> uh, and there were like four scenes that were ended by a car pulling away in uh, sped up time, <laughs> and it wasn't good the first time. I don't know why he felt compelled to do it three more times, but that was tough. I'm embarrassed to say this, but I, I it must be said, <laughs> I this I feel like this had to have been very obvious, and I. Did not notice it one time. Really? I was I was not in an acceptable state watching this movie. There, uh, there, were, there were also, th- maybe you noticed this, uh, there were multiple times where two characters would be in conversation and then it would cut to a, another shot within that same conversation and a character was just in a, a different spot flip or a up. different position. It was like the camera shots were like over. It was the exact opposite of what you're supposed yes. to do in like a conversational <laughs> setting where it was just like an unnecessary amount of cuts back and forth. It was all shot, especially like major scene changes when they would do mm-hmm. like PowerPoint-esque like fade-ins. Yeah. Like they were like, hey, what if we took an like inspiration from a 1990s MTV segment and just did like a music video esque uh, editing, which I mean, makes a lot of sense because this is a super musically driven uh, movie as well. There's one song that they play like nine different times, but it's all just like completely wonky. And there'll be like neon, like completely break the fourth wall type, like, chapter segment almost it it looks really weird the whole time and there's no consistent vibe established through this and it adds to the already much mentioned identity crisis yeah and the most egregious example of this is the scene the coke deal scene with chester where timmy will be speaking and chester is look he's sitting on the right side of the couch looking straight into the camera which is positioned on or over the couch but Timmy is sitting across the room from him. <laughs> so it's like, who, who's Chester looking at right now? <laughs> like, why is he looking at me, the audience? It's very confusing and took me out of it. Do you guys have any other nitpicks? I know that there have to be a million. I forgot to write them down. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Uh, oh, this was a big one. I even said this one out loud. Early on in the movie, when we first get introduced to the tension between Danny and mr strawberry due to danny being interested in his sister uh he meets his sister in a scene that i actually really like and then danny and strawberry are sitting on the beach talking and he's like met this girl like i can't stop thinking about her he says that and then strawberry asks where does she live and danny replies near the airport and then somehow Strawberry just knows that it's his sister. 
with those two context clues and is like, keep away from her, man. I'll, I'll fuck you up if you go near her. And it's like, <laughs> that's, so, that's my sister. It's a little bit weird and maybe even a little bit sus that this guy explaining how horny this girl made him uh, with no context clues. He was just like, he must be talking about my sister. He knows she's hot. He knows she's hot. The only clearly. explanation. I have one. I just thought of. Uh, real quick, she is hot in this movie. We haven't mentioned that yet. The like late '90s, early or late '80s, early '90s, like big hair. Well, it really does it for me. I. <laughs> Good for you, man. Thanks. <laughs> I'm happy for you. I think that the way that she is attractive in the movie is really interesting to me, and I felt like it was really spot on. For it really awoke new things, like Brett. <laughs> Oh, I just found out I'm straight. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I thought it was cool the way that they did not pick like the most out of this world conventionally attractive person to play this role. I felt very similar because that's not the kind of person who's the hottest girl in school who peaked in high school. That uh, I, I want to say we all remembered. I was homeschooled. I'm sure <laughs> you guys remembered. Um, yeah. <laughs> if, if there was a hottest girl in your school, I'd be worried, Brett. Um, well, there was. <laughs> It Good. was his teacher. <laughs> God, Jody, please don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> There's a million reasons why I don't want my mom to listen to this podcast. That's actually probably the least of my concerns. Fair. Um, yeah, I thought that that was... There's a lot of good casting all around this movie that I think is really good. I thought that that was a, a great point. Yeah, and she has a lot of chemistry with Timmy. I, I, it's a good segue to talk about what I think was my favorite scene and... Uh, it's a scene where there's not a whole lot of dialogue and the actors are kind of just allowed to cook for a little bit. <laughs> and it's the scene where she first gets in his car when he goes to the drive-in alone for some reason. To watch Terminator 2, which is the first of like four different Terminator scenes at a drive-in. Yes. They just keep watching Terminator. She gets in his car and they're just chit-chatting. And you can tell right away that the two like each other, but it's really subtle and they're both or specifically Danny, Timmy's character is like very awkward, uh, but in like an endearing way. And he tells this really shitty joke that <laughs> doesn't make any sense really, but his delivery is excellent in that it's not funny at all, which makes it funny. And Maika Monroe is doing something here that I really like where <laughs> there, there's a shot just of her face where she's like trying to hold in a smile. And I, I think I wrote something to the extent at this point in the movie where I was like, I'm glad to see Micah Monroe is doing more with this character than the writing is. Cause it shows that there's some like complexity to her that she's just not getting from the writing. That's just talking about how hot she is. Um, but yeah, I like that scene a lot up there for best scenes. I thought that was really entertaining. Did you guys have favorite scenes? Yeah. My favorite scene is <laughs> God, this makes me sound really horny, but it was the lollipop scene. <laughs> Cause they just went crazy. It was electric. <laughs> Keep it down over there, Bucko. <laughs> it, was, it was such a good, like, um, <laughs> visual device to be like, oh, my God, this is, this is showing it all without really showing anything. I believe in that scene. I said, this is the most powerful woman I have ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> like, the, the confidence that she has to just take a lollipop and stick it in a man's mouth. Uh, is terrifying and alluring all at the same time. Uh, I believe when I said that, Brett, you said, 
Yeah, she's already killed three men. <laughs> There's a, a montage scene a little earlier on in the movie where multiple men have died on account of her just being hot, <laughs> which is, like, again, it, it's funny. <laughs> it's, like, really, really, like, they didn't lean into the funny part of it. Like, it was funny at first, and you see one guy just, like, his feet hanging in the garage. It's like, oh, my God. It's very jarring. Uh, my best scene goes to I. It's not like a sp- scene in specific. It's the whole end. The end of the movie as everything goes sideways and the hurricane is closing in. Which mm-hmm. another thing worth mentioning is the movie ends with like this whole massive storm hitting at the same time that drug deals are going wrong, and that adds to this like crazy fast pace uh, that I really appreciate about the movie. Where also really loud at this yeah, point. Yeah, you're fucking panicking, man. Yeah. You're hoping Danny is going to be good. Uh, this is another instance in which the movie ends and I go, that we just touched toes. It was really cute. We did. Like a certain part of the movie happens and I'm like, hmm, this is not at all what I recall happening uh, from my first watch. We're in the spoiler section, so now I can say what, what happens. So Dex shoots Hunter Strawberry, rest in peace, my boy, uh, fulfilling the future. He's a self-fulfilling prophecy, if you may. Mm-hmm. He knew that this is how his end would come and it did. I vividly remember watching this movie and Hunter kills Dex and then shoots himself as his sister arrives. And it's this dramatic sequence where she hears the gunshot from outside of like the little gas station that just didn't happen. You invented so many elements of this movie. (laughs) Yeah, it just wasn't true. But that whole bit of the movie, uh, even the second time when you watch it and it feels like the first time because your memory's bad. Uh, it was really good. I just like the pacing of That's that. That's not I even like. a bad memory. That's like <laughs> That's creative. A, an overindulgent imagination. <laughs> this is why I should be the one writing the movies, and then you guys just help me with that production, and we'll be good to go. Nice. I'm in. That's actually like, it wouldn't have been a bad idea for the movie. Like it, it's <laughs> yeah. not stupid. Yeah. yeah. Give me my. It, it is credit. necessary, I think, for Strawberry to die here, though, because there are a lot of scenes that. Where he, he's get, most of his character development is just, you're a shithead, you're not going to go anywhere in life. And there's a specific scene where he talks with the cop that I put down in my nitpicks because uh, the cop is just grilling into him about, like, you're going to be just like his father, who apparently the cop knew. You just who also like went your nowhere. father. Yeah, just what? like your father. Is that the, you're no good duck video. You're no good. <laughs> you're never going to be shit. You're <laughs> just like vine. your father. Um. But yeah, it, it I, I totally agree, Wyatt. I, I like this scene a lot. Um, the the storm hitting at the same time is like the climax. And that was also like a real hurricane that like fucked up Boston. Good. <laughs> this guy hates Italians and he hates Bostons. They're the Italians. Bos- the Bostonians? Bostonians? Bostonites. Boston's all Irish people, though. Fun fact. Boston. 17-time running most racist city in America award winners. That. Who's a... Who's giving that award? I, I, some, I will track it down. Who's pulling this? But I know Boston wins every year. It how do you measure that? But you just pull people and they're like, how racist do you think you're seeing? Do you is? like people of color? <laughs> One through five. <laughs> Which of these words is acceptable in <laughs> common conversation? It makes uh, sense that that would happen in a place of Irish people because, you know, it's fitting. Damn. I'm part Irish. We, I can we say gotta that. cut this guy out of our lives. I'm, I'm, He's no good. I'm part Irish. Okay. 
part Irish, full racist. <laughs> Against Western Europeans. <laughs> South, Southern Europeans, no? I guess Southwestern? Well, now we're looping in Ireland for some reason. Yeah, I'm just kind of confused at this point. <laughs> what were we talking about? The storm? Yeah, and it being real. Oh, uh, yeah. The Him dying was a, a good natural conclusion and where I felt like this story needed to go. So I didn't hate that, but yeah, it, it it felt a little bit uninspired, but the the storm hitting at the same time adds a lot of tension that I don't think this climax would have had otherwise. Uh, my nitpick is that, I know we're past nitpicks. I've got some more, so you it, can, you can it, hop back into it. It's relevant because I think that Dex is not a scary individual even a little bit. Like, I know I said earlier that the casting was good. It was a huge miss. Huge miss on Dex. As a stupid character, I don't like him, and he's not scary, and he shouldn't have been like the big bad foil mm-hmm. to uh, Strawberry. Yeah, who's your pick? If you could recast that, who would you take? Me, me. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been so scary. Everyone's afraid of me. Um, I would have to think about that actually. Tuco but... Salamanca from Breaking Bad. <laughs> too scary. <laughs> he's too scary. <laughs> Imagine Tuco in this movie, though. <laughs> Just. That would be that is. insane. Like, oh, you kind of have to. Oh, see, you can't sell coke. Oh, yeah. oh, oh. You kind of have to see. No, like, I know this guy in action. I get the TikTok uh, clips of uh, Breaking Bad episodes broken up into seventeen segments. Yeah, uh, Brett, I had a similar nitpick about Dex, and it's just that, like, his whole character and like the entire drug selling element to this movie feels like it's written by someone that has no experience with drugs at all. Yes. Because I, I know that I'm not somebody who is, <laughs> like, the encyclopedia of the drug world. But also, nobody is getting shot and killed over a little bit of marijuana. <laughs> like, that is just not something that happens. There's no reason this man had to die. Is it, like, five pounds? Well, that was the original, that was the original like, goal. Well, that no, he, had he gets shot do. because he goes over Dex's head and buys Coke from someone else. No, I know, but they were, like... If you do not move five pounds of marijuana, we're going to kill you. Oh, the threat, you mean? Yeah. yeah. I think the most off-putting part about all of this was if Dex is this, like, high-up drug kingpin that they claim he is, there is no world where he's doing the dirty work of driving around town himself looking for this guy and then shooting him himself. Like, Dex would have guys for that. To be fair... He mentions earlier that he has a boss. Like, he is not the highest. Yeah, but Tuco also had a boss. And Tuco had his boys do his dirty work. Posto. Except for when he was coked up. Well, maybe if Chester did something this entire time. Yeah. Who would win in a fight? Tuco or Dex? Oh, Tuco. Tuco would (laughs) murder him with his bare hands. Dex could have a gun. Dex is fit. Is also just really <laughs> bad throughout the movie. Yes. That dude is dressed like he's in the fucking Matrix in the scene when he kills Mr. Strawberry. I keep almost saying Daryl Strawberry, the center fielder for the Mets. <laughs> oh, uh, that's a real believe, last name. Cannot believe that's a real man. Yeah, Daryl. You guys, I should tell you more about him afterwards. Because right. if you think there's enough cocaine mentioned with these strawberries, wait until this dude. He's insane. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited for this. Yeah, the fits were bad, specifically. Timmy's, uh, they looked like exactly what I wore in 2004 when I was five years old. Uh, just like he shitty looked, striped polo he shirts. He looks like the Gap catalog. Yeah. 
in general though I, I i liked a lot of the costuming here it felt pretty 90s especially uh michaela's that's her name um it felt very true to the time period and it looked good i wasn't wasn't mad about that but yeah take me <laughs> back timmy's fits are egregious i missed 98 back when life was simple were arcades still a big deal in the 90s there's a i mean it's the early 90s there but there was Certainly. Okay. Yeah, because I feel like we missed out as a culture on that. I, I mean, wish when they. Did, when did the N sixty four come out? Because I feel like that was a big turning point. Yeah. I think it was early eighties. Yeah, I think you're right. I want to say eighty one. Why don't we still have arcades? We should get arcades back. Yeah, it definitely wasn't the eighties. Yeah, nineteen ninety six. The NES. N sixty four. Oh. I feel like around the mid nineties was probably when people that were committed to video games had home consoles. And I would imagine that was kind of the the dying off of arcades. This is coming from someone that has no idea what he's talking about, just for the record. <laughs> I love dudes who just be talking. You know? yeah, I'm one of them. I'm really good. Uh, at that. that reminds me. I read a, a piece from Quentin Tarantino <laughs> this week where he was like, he was actually talking about the Big Picture podcast, a podcast that mm-hmm. most like to listen to. Um, and he was talking about how much he likes it. Um, it being? The Big Picture podcast. Okay. Not the movie. No, no, no. Uh, and he was talking about the the knowledge that the hosts of the show have and, you know, how good they are. And then he was like, in some of these movie podcasts, they just don't know anything about what they're talking about. It's actually disgusting to oh. me. And I was like, damn, <laughs> I'm sorry, Quentin. I don't know uh, what an arcade is. <laughs> I'm um, just a little boy. I would imagine if Quentin Tarantino used Letterboxd, he would probably have more logged movies than any other person on the app. Every time I see him in an interview, he's mentioning movies with other movie people that those other movie people have never heard of. <laughs> uh, that guy, He'd be his, watching his knowledge shit. is deep. <laughs> yeah. Looks like a real goober. Do you know he and Trisha Paytas dated once? I did know that, actually. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. It's a that. great That's fun fact. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think that they actually dated. I think that was just a rumor being spread around. She did know him though and is a big fan i only know this because i saw a tiktok that was a photo of them hugging and it was like these two dated and i was like is that real and i looked it up and i don't think they ever actually dated but this is um, fucked up as the one who sent you that tiktok and was that you yeah yeah it's it's not actually real but the the lore damn it even just them being in the same room i feel like would cause like a rift in the time (laughs) space continuum or something that's just so strange Quentin is my biggest role model, except for all the bad <laughs> Yeah, there's certainly some, some weird things about that guy. Uh, I feel This feels like a good segue to talk about some fun facts. Uh, I don't have many for this movie. There's not a whole lot of info. Uh, so if either of you have them, feel free. But no, I looked up, and, like, I didn't exclusively try to find fun facts, but just I went to go read about the movie, and there was very little online. Fun fact, no character in this movie is original. That's I've just decided that okay. because all of them are people I could be like, they are in this movie mm, and it's yes. just a collaboration of 90 different <laughs> movies to make a new one. Yeah. That's actually not that far off. The first and basically only fun fact I have here is Elijah Bynum based these two characters off of people that actually sold weed at his college. Which two? Uh, the two leads. Okay. Danny and Strawberry. Uh, <laughs> like he saw these two guys at his college probably purchased drugs from them. It was like, these people feel like a weird pairing. Like their energies are just very different. Where do you go to school? I'm curious. I don't know. You can look that up real quick. But apparently 
they actually like grew a pretty successful drug business and then had a falling out and then vanished from the face of the earth like in real life like nobody knows what happened to them mm-hmm. so he was inspired by that and that's what led him to make this movie that's pretty sick yeah i, I thought that, that was i could see that being in our cards he went to <laughs> he went to umass amherst shout out yeah so this is like very true to his own experience i guess look at him go holy sh- i just saw a photo of the one of the promo photos for the next movie he's making Oh my God, yeah, Jonathan Majors! Oh yeah. my God! Yeah, I've it's been a, looking. It's a big boy. Don't you worry. It's <laughs> a big boy. We're doing research for the pod. Yeah, it's late at night, <laughs> <laughs> and it's purely photo based. Yeah. The other fun fact here, uh, which is not even really a fun fact, I just wanted to share it here. Maya Mitchell, who I know or whom I know from the Teen Beach movie, Disney Channel original. Are you guys familiar with that film? Never seen it. I know what you're uh, talking about. I have not seen it. It was a Disney musical that. Felt like Greece, kind of, but Disney. Uh, my sister, my little sister, was a big fan. She had a Teen Beach movie themed birthday party once that was a good time. Uh, but that's what Maya Mitchell sort of came up through. She is in all of the promotional tours. Like it's the three leads, and then Maya Mitchell, who is only in this character as Strawberry's like girl that hangs on his hip she has like 25 lines in this movie movie maybe but she's in all of the promo tours uh, just because she's a recognizable person i guess but the real funny thing here was i watched an interview with the four of them where the interviewer asked describe your character in one word and they each did it and then it got to maya mitchell and she just went like uh because <laughs> she knew her character was nothing <laughs> It's just a nobody character. Did she have an answer? No. <laughs> Her answer was, uh. That, yeah. That sums it up. Uh, yeah. That concludes um, Bryce's well, fun Well, it's actually, actually unfortunate because I was hoping that they would do more with her character. Mm-hmm. And then she just didn't really have yeah. any influence she on the story. She was just there for Strawberry to have a girl on his I hip. mean, truly, you could have just cut it out entirely yes, from 100%. the Yes, 100%. Uh, fun fact on the non-movie category, more personal. Please. Uh, in looking at the casting, I think that to answer the question of who would you cast yourself in the movie, I think if you gave the dude who played Dex, Emery Cohen, like longer hair, he could play me. I feel like we're shaped the same. I can see it. I feel like I've, fair enough. There we go. We've gained something from today. Uh, let's get a, this guy into a trench coat and see what he looks like. Yeah, you ever worn a trench coat, Wyatt? No, it is uniquely powerful. <laughs> yeah, because you scare everybody in school. <laughs> I had uh, this kid in my high school who like had a real odd vibe to him, but he also knew it. And so he said, he told me one day and he goes, I'm going to get a trench coat next year just to fuck with everybody. Just to make them that little extra scared. And I was like, that's insane, but also kind of funny. I just want to point out in defense of the trench coat wearers that it's not one dimensional school shooter kind of deal. You could also be a, a early, early 20th century noir kind of situation. And that's what I'm into. Good Want to throw you. that Sexually? out? There. Well, that's none of your business. But <laughs> yes, <laughs> Brett is into twenty neo noir <laughs> trench coat wearers, and I'm into Jonathan Majors. <laughs> Brett's, in, <laughs> Brett's in too. Mmm, the trail's gone cold. <laughs> <laughs> you guys know I played a, a neo noir character in a play once. <laughs> no, I love yeah, that. Yeah, it was a really horribly written. Uh, murder mystery and i had to talk like that 
for the whole show. It was bad. You bring yeah. it back one line? No. You know what I think would be really funny is if we all did a community theater production together. Uh, I'm looked really into, into that. I've looked into this many, many times because I miss doing theater, There's nothing around here. There's there's a severe lack of like middle of the line theater in terms of like you don't have to be a pro. an acting guild yeah. member to do it, but it's also not the worst thing you've ever seen. It's hard to find that in like a big city, I guess. We had that's all we had in my little hometown, but yeah, it's it's missing here. It shouldn't be hard to find in a big city. You'd think so. But, but yeah, here we are. We're under the impression love that Pittsburgh's to do that. a big city. This is just fifteen small towns. Truly, if you find one, let me know because yes. I'm all <laughs> over that. Where do we go from here? This movie's wild. We have to arrive in fifteen minutes, so we better wrap this shit up. Wow, I didn't even realize. Yeah, let's let's talk about our closing thoughts. Uh, since the Survivor finale is on in 15 minutes. Uh, this is a fun movie that I enjoyed watching with my, my buddies. I would watch it again, I think. I, I want to um, see it from, an, uh, first of all, a sober state of mind, but also just knowing what I know uh, about, you know, how the movie is just in a general sense. I just want to watch it with a with a refined look and maybe see like, oh, could I could I... Stop like overanalyzing this so much and just like shut my brain off and then really enjoy it. I said it in March of 2020 and I'll say it again. This is a pretty, what is that? Is that your stomach? Yeah, I look at my stomach. <laughs> wow. Rest little I tummy is I know that picked up, but yeah. <laughs> um, this movie is enjoyable if you don't want to think too hard. Uh, it's a good watch. It's never gonna, like if you are like, oh my God, I have to watch a movie with a group of people. They're coming over to my home. What shall we watch? Uh, this is a pick that will nobody will leave like changed for the better, but nobody will be like, damn, this person has ass music taste. This is the most like appeals to the masses in the sense of nobody's going to be like turned off by it. Uh, movie I've seen in a while. Uh, it does everything well enough to be interesting. It's goofy at points. Uh, there's a loose enough romantic plot that folks who are tied to that stuff will enjoy it. I think it's overall a good movie. I'm glad we watched it again. Uh, I still think Timothy Chalamet is a hilarious actor and he's kind of duping all of us because no one's ever asked him to play anything else but what he plays. And maybe he's not all that talented. Even in Dune, like <laughs> a sci- an intense sci-fi movie, he's still playing a brooding teenager. Like the most anybody's made him go outside of the box is like Beautiful Boy in which he plays a brooding teenager with a huge drug addiction. <laughs> yeah. Um, But I'm glad we watched it again. I'm glad... Uh, I weaseled my way into affecting the votes of Colleen and Juliet, and we got where we are. You should not be proud of that. <laughs> I just want to. I was just that. a little bit. It's just a little bit. Uh, I'm not mad at Wyatt because I had a good time watching this movie. I I do disagree with Wyatt. I think that this is actively like a bad movie. No, but again, I had a good time. It has some extremely glaring problems with it can't decide what type of movie it is. I think that the romance elements here are what it does best. I think all of the best scenes for the most part are the scenes where Micah Monroe and Timothy Chalamet are kind of just left to their own devices and allowed to act like they're in love. But it tries to work in more intense, violent things. And rather than feeling like a fun switch up, it just feels completely out of place. and it doesn't really go over the top enough with the violence to be like shocking either. It just feels totally imbalanced. The writing is absolutely horrendous. 
I felt like 75% of the time when I was laughing, it was not at things that I was supposed to be laughing at. There were some genuinely funny lines that I thought were meant to be funny that did get me. I, I think one of my favorites that I'm remembering <laughs> was uh, when we were learning about Michaela's past lovers. We see the, the football player, yeah. and he's just lifting weights, and he goes, I play football. <laughs> uh, I really liked that line. And th- there were a few other moments that I, I do genuinely think were very funny, but it felt like I was laughing at this movie rather than with this movie more often than not. But like we've talked about, it's very pretty to look at at points. Uh, if you like the two leads in this movie, I'm not even going to mention the guy that plays Strawberry because he's doesn't really do much in this movie outside of just be cool and hot. If you like those two actors, there's a lot to enjoy here. And I totally agree with your consensus, Wyatt, that it's like if you're just looking for something to throw on, low commitment, everyone's going to enjoy it. I think you're right. I think Background that it, noise. It will fit that vibe very well. But I did enjoy this movie. Don't really have any desire to see it again. I don't feel like it will get any better or any worse <laughs> on a second watch. I don't think I'd be looking for anything else. Um, I feel like I got everything out of it that I could. But yeah, I enjoyed it and made for a, a fun podcast, fun movie to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Bresto just screamed, which probably was not picked up. But uh, it had yeah. something to say about this movie, and personally, I think that it was very interesting. That was your stomach speaking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It's got a voice of its own. He, uh, his stomach craves raisinets. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, I meant to mention uh, in the quick shout out to uh, the food of assholes being raisinets. You did. You Comple- shouted that out. I, I shouted that out, but there was more to it in that. Uh, having no idea if this were true or not, uh, when Timothy Chalamet delivered that line, I looked Brett dead in the eyes and said, I bet you love raisinets. <laughs> to which his partner Colleen said, yeah, he really does. <laughs> I felt so otherized <laughs> in that moment. It was just uh, frankly bullying. And we have to have a talk about this afterwards. It's not very cool of you. <laughs> Sorry about that, buddy. All right. This was fun. Thank you very much for listening. Again, I'm looking at the audience now for our audio listeners. Thank you very much. I would imagine not a lot of people have seen this movie, so if you took the time out of your life to either A, listen to this podcast about a movie that you have not seen, or even more than that, you went out of your way to watch this movie just so that you could join in our conversation, that means a lot to us. Uh, Your constant support uh, makes us feel very good. Um, Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you next week for the Bama Rush episode. Uh, may or may not be real I'm going to say not real it will not be real uh, you can find us on Last of the Moon Pod on Instagram keep up to date with when we post new things other than that thank you very much good night I love you good bye bye I love you bye bye